And now, it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your hosts, Damone Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Dad Bod Rap Pod. We're back another week. Want to let you guys know that we've actually created our own music festival just so we can uninvite the baby. That that's been <laughs> our <laughs> nice. He is uninvited from the inaugural Dad Bod Rap Pod Music Festival. Um, who would headline that, Nate? Who would be our top headline, like top bold? It'd be Arm and Hammer. Probably. I mean, yeah. that's, a, okay. that's the first okay. thing that comes to mind. Okay. Uh, Arm and Hammer, Edon. Yes. Doom, if he was alive, RIP. Yeah. Cut canvas yeah. DJing in between acts. Totally. Okay. Um, yeah. That, that we, if we did a festival just based on people we've interviewed, that would be like a oh, pretty. Man. Oh, that'd be so lit. Oh, man. Festival. We have we have MC. Uh, I'm sorry. We have MC Eight doing running the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you on a guest list? Yeah. <laughs> He, he's not he's not letting no one in oh man <laughs> that would be super dope if you think about all the various guests we've had over the course of 181 uh freaking episodes man you gotta um, think at least 150 of those had guests and every guest mm-hmm. is someone oh, yeah. like their music you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah so it's uh be on the lookout this week i did learn about all the various fucking music festivals just because the baby was getting uninvited <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, how is you know? It's like totally. he's the the Coney Island State Fair is is canceled. He's not, <laughs> not pulling up. I just um, read a thing, uh, like right before you guys clicked on in that he told Lollapalooza he was going to do a video apology that could be shown during, like right oh, before yeah. his set, and he didn't turn it in. So they have like no choice but to cancel the set so like it's i don't mean to belittle or like i guess we're kind of all making fun of the circumstances here but like he basically didn't turn in his homework yeah yeah and (laughs) it's really what the tone of the the article that i read sounded like it's like the i come on teach i need some extra credit yeah no i know i messed up come on i had a basketball game like (laughs) my mom told me i couldn't stay awake and then it's like all right i'm gonna let you write this essay there's no make up assignments dog get the fuck out of here yeah it's uh it's been very interesting to kind of watch um all of that unfold and sometimes i feel like you slip into a moment i think when bill cosby when the world came for him after hannibal burris's joke um there's these weird triggers that start moments and you you never know when it's going to happen i do think this could be the moment where rap really has to take into account that like homophobia is a liability um for especially well, if, for a larger well, artist in the lyrical content i don't think you need to like make big speeches in your banter like i i think the i think the lyrical content will continue getting a pass personally you think so i do yeah it's, so? it's different to go out of the artist moment and just be a person standing up there with 100 and like kind of mm-hmm. ranting it like i did i never watched his actual comments but apparently they're pretty vile and it just like I think yeah. it was a bridge too far, but I haven't seen anyone getting canceled for their actual lyrical content. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Ghostface's most recent album, dude. He, the f word is 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 on display, and it's like, ouch, every time. 
but I, I felt like that got a pass. But if he was on stage, like making a little speech that was out of pocket, then that'd be a different issue to your point, Nate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of a, you know, I, I don't think anybody really wants a reckoning around hip hop lyrics. Like, and the other side of that coin is uh, law enforcement using right lyrics against them which is such a huge and pervasive problem i was just listening to actually just finished today the uh complex um pop smoke complex Mm, subject mm, pop mm. smoke podcast which is really well done and was written and reported by our friend sean satero and you will hear more about that you watch this space but um that's that was a big thing in his very brief rise and fall um, and it just reminded me of how pervasive that is. Like going back to like X rated. Yeah. I was going to say romper room. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the case yeah, against gray. them was built yeah, around. It's just, yeah. It's just crazy how, how true that is. So it's like on the one hand, it's like fans are willing to give almost anything a pass, but the police are fully watching what Everything. you're saying and applying it. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting what you say, Damon, and we're certainly having a moment and it's good that we're all talking about this, but I don't know. I think the two things are slightly different. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Um, I do think at the baby's level, uh, as somebody who listened to a bunch of his stuff, the the his musical content is actually not homophobic at all. Like there are there rarely any any references. So I was a little bit like, dude, where are you even coming from uh, with your rant? But I do think artists at his level, it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a non-starter now. Like I think you're gonna see more folks being careful because he just he lost a lot of money like yeah the the baby's booking fee has to be in excess of two hundred thousand dollars or something ridiculous so if you think about all of these shows that he's lost uh, i do feel that the industry pays attention even if fools haven't had a change of heart um the the impact on the pocketbook is like undeniable and so yeah it'll be interesting to see if that actually extends to lyrics i have a theory and it holds for podcasts too that nobody listens to lyrics and nobody <laughs> listens to the content of a podcast. So it gives me a lot of freedom to talk whatever here. Cause I'm like, nobody's going to come and listen to this. Um, but then like a thousand plus people do every week. So I don't, that it pokes holes in my theory, but I just feel like there's so much rap and people say so many things. Um, I, I feel like uh, it's easy to give things passes um, at a certain level, but we'll, we'll see if that can. I mean, I'm like, beyond on the record on this show as being like a staunch lyric listener and like i you don't have to align with my morals for me to like your music like i can give a pretty wide berth to things especially older rap music like most of it is repugnant from a moral standpoint to be honest with you um it's just like you know like am i gonna not like the ghetto boys like i don't really feel like that's a that's a position that one can take in good conscience and still say they like rap music you know what i mean but like uh, we get Ooh, that it's that's tough. somewhat satirical and like you know that there's like tough. A, a cinematic uh quality to it where like i like action movies i like you know with that we've had this argument many times but um i just think it's sometimes the songs are from points of views of characters and that gives you a pretty wide berth in what you're allowed to say and sometimes you'd you, you don't even have to give them that pass. You can just be like, I like this song no matter what it says. We touched on this when we did our corrupt. With Ain't No Fun. Yeah, yeah. when Corrupt was on. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always come from the uh, 
easy for us cisgender guys to say, right? Uh, right. You know, whether people care or whether you know you have to like something. I I, I feel like um, it's been a very interesting time, and so I've I've been a, a more of a spectator on this particular kerfluffle and just watching it uh watching it unfold. So we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Doja Cat survived blowing the bag maybe three or four times, so maybe there's hope for the baby in that regard. But uh, shout out to everybody trying to hold people accountable here for it. Uh, on this program, we talk about uh, a great many things, but the main thing we talk about is rap. I know rap, my man. Um, and this week is no different. We have a, a great interview with Dudley Perkins slash Declaim, uh, who came on and talked to us about a new project that he has, a newly released project that he has with Mad Lib. But it got us to thinking about, like, um, number one, Mad Lib is fucking amazing. And so that's that's not a great podcast segment, but I want to just start. I just want to start <laughs> there. Dude is fucking amazing. Um, but he he has these collaborations. He's become very uh, known for the, you know, mad slash lib collaborations he's done with folks. Of course, we have Mad Villain. We have J-Lib. Uh, most recently, we have the, the Mad Gibbs uh, projects, Pinata and Bandana. And I wanted to put it out to this group. Um, what is it about Mad Lib's music that makes him such a great collaborator? Is it merely that uh, his beats are dope and so that's just going to work for anybody? Is it kind of like the Shaquille O'Neal? You put him anywhere, he's going to give you 30, 30 and 10? Or is it, or is there something... Uh, in his approach to working with different artists that makes him so prolific with the collabs. I'll start with you, Mr. Nate LeBlanc. What, what, what do you think makes Madlib such a, a great collaborator? This might be a little bit counterintuitive and it's not any of the things you mentioned. I think one of the things, and certainly his greatness is a, a prominent feature, is that he has so much music. Like if you just if you just like wanted to do a rap album, you could like go to any of the numbers of beat CDs he has released as yeah. commercial products and rap over yeah. them, and you could make a pretty good album, right? Yeah. Imagine the trove once you decide he wants to work with you. He's always making new stuff. He has all this unreleased stuff. Like I think he, there's a lot to sift through, and it would be very interesting for a lot of these artists to hear what he thinks they would sound good over. Because part of he's not just a beat maker, he's a producer, right? Like right. these are produced projects where it has a vision and like, you know, there's a there's a back and forth to them, like where he gives you some beats, you write to him and then things happen behind the scenes and then it ends up coming out or not. But I think uh, just the sheer amount of beats and the sheer directions that that could push a writer um, I think we really see this most clearly in the Freddie Gibbs thing. It's like he's he's one MC before he works with Madlib, and then public perception of him shifts completely because you're like, oh, that's not that's not who I thought we were dealing with. I thought he was a pretty straightforward gangster rapper from Gary, Indiana, who happened to be on Decon, which was a little weird. And yeah. then it's like after Pinata, you're like, oh, you're like this amazing rapper who can go over anything, kind of, and you proved it by working with Madlib, who's one of the greats. So I think that just that's a starting place for volume, a just the, the sheer, the sheer volume of, uh, of music. Dave, what, what, what say you, why, why is Madlib such a, a great collaborator? I think with Madlib, I mean, to Nate's point, I mean, I think he literally has like 80 albums because he releases, releases under so many different monikers. But um, I think with Madlib, 
and uh, you know, I sort of compare it to like Alchemist or something. You're you're not just like matching with the producer, but you're matching with their sensibilities and and their palette. And Mad Libs, I mean, Mad Libs' palette since the beginning has been always a little bit weird, right? Always a little bit jagged. And um, you know, uh, through our conversation with Declaim, I mean, the the album that was released, um, which was B sides and mixtape cuts. Um, originally recorded in 1994. So even mm. those early beats, you you hear sort of weird samples that are a little bit left field. So I, I think with Madlib, um, not only is his just um, the, the pure amount of work that he has, but I also think like the notion of Madlib, like yeah. how do you sound over a Madlib beat? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a Prince Paul album is a Prince Paul album, but you can hear like a boom bap Prince Paul beat and not know that it's from him. You know sure. what I mean? could be you know of uh, anybody else's beat uh, just name a boom bap producer but mad lib beat is a mad lib beat yeah it, it it there's so there's there's volume but then he still has this distinctive thing uh that resonates through all the projects really i mean if you just listen to um the the mad villainy instrumentals for instance y- you could hear any number of people over those tracks and it would still it would still be great um none better than doom but i i feel like uh he he's a producer but like he has rapper sensibilities and i think that a lot of times producers who don't rap um i i, I always think there's like somewhat of a little disconnect i would be shocked if Alchemist doesn't kind of like rap under his breath when he's like making the beats because they're so rappable. Like sometimes a producer will make a beat and I'm like, I know you feel like this is fucking amazing and you did all these things, but like nobody can rap on that. Mad Libs though, like he's like fully rapped. He started as a rapper mm-hmm. and like he has he has joints where he raps now. Like he he's a, who? He, he raps, Alchemist. Oh, Alchemist, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He started in a rap group with Scott Kahn. Uh, James Conn's son, the Hooligans oh, damn, the show. Um, yeah, he was in like, the Hooligans. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I, I, okay. Was, um, was not as, as recently as some of his uh, like producers' best friend joints, like he has he has shit where he's rapped on it. Like he, he doesn't have as much of a rap career as Madlib does, but he he does rap. Okay. Red, yeah. Red. Yeah. Definitely not not surprising in the sense that uh, he makes things that are very rappable, and I, and I think Madlib does something similar where. Uh, he brings uh, an empathetic ear for rappers mm. um, to the beats. I would say that absolute opposite of this is like Flylo. Flylo, they'll have rappers on his stuff, but it always sounds like it was low key a challenge to incorporate <laughs> somebody because it's he's such a, a, a I don't know what you want to call it vibrant producer. He's doing all of these soundscapes and things where I feel like Madlib understands how to be weird and how to scale things down and scale things back. And so I feel like rappers um, a lot of times sound uh, great on his stuff because he makes it with a a rapper's perspective. This is just, maybe we'll get to talk to him one day. That is just my, uh, my theory on why that works. Um, We all know about Mad Villainy, of course, um, but Mad Lib has a shit ton of collaborative projects. Um, And I wanted to call out a couple Cause I'm not, I'm actually not familiar with all of these. Did anybody ever check out the professionals with him and Oh no. Him oh, no. And oh no. It's the, it's an album with his brother. Um, I checked out a couple tracks. I thought it was okay. Um, I mean, um, honestly speaking, I'm not the hugest Ono oh fan. I think he's a guy. Yeah. 
and he's got a he's also got one with uh med and blue bad neighbor uh from 2015 which i really like those instrumentals and i i think i agree with you as i don't know if i the biggest med and ono fan um to carry it but i i feel like um Madlib is also cool because he still do tracks with uh, his dudes. Like there's something there's something to be said for that as well. Did anybody hear his collaborative album Liberation with Talib Kweli? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That, that's okay. that's one of my favorite Talib albums. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm not super huge on it, but I loved how sort of it sounded like it was made on a four track. I mean, it probably was, but you know what I mean. That was definitely the purveying theme to it too. So yeah, there's I think there's like these huge projects which we we know all about his his major collaborations but then there are these kind of other smaller collaborative albums which i again i just think speaks to his prowess that like he's working with so many different mcs and making these like um collaborative albums with folks that you wouldn't maybe necessarily expect well not even mcs only i mean we're if we're if we're talking about his career I mean, the, the really, really, really early stuff, like with the claim that we're going to like mm. hear about soon. However, I mean, even his latest stuff is the um, is the album with Fortet. Yeah, which is not listed. Down Ancestors. His, yeah, yeah, not listed amongst his collaborations, but it's definitely um, we've talked about that album quite a bit on here. You can hear the kind of cross pollination with Fortet mm. in, in his sound, which maybe that's the key. Like if you're super dope and you can can also be malleable to like incorporate uh the artistry of other folks that you're working with which maybe seems like oh of course but i don't i don't think it's always the case i'm gonna posit a little um kind of curveball here for you guys and say that one of mad lib's best collaborators is himself as quasi ah, ah, okay. well done well done yeah. sir yeah uh, th- uh, that one was unseen i wasn't really <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but he had some good adventures you know <laughs> uh, he's lording yeah. over the tracks um, yeah. <laughs> and we're not really talking about j-lib like i feel like for a, when a lot of people when we have focused on mad villainy online or be like what are you guys like not like talking about j-lib and i've just never been the biggest j-lib guy oh, have we had this conversation i feel like i've brought that to the party once or I twice feel, of I like, feel like we skirted the conversation a little bit okay okay out of fear of being uh, pelted <laughs> with tomatoes and such but I, I will i will say this i feel like um with jlib um it's two mastermind producer rappers trading off and i think if we map out their four quadrants of skill sets like dilla rapper dilla producer madlib rapper madlib producer it don't always hit with jlib like the best Dilla rapping is not on J-Lib and the, some of the best Mad Lib stuff is not necessarily in there. It's, it's very strange. Um, I feel like there's iconic cuts. I mean, the red is, is the red. Uh, there's joints, but it just sometimes, um, I don't know. It just, it never didn't hit me. The I feel like a lot of people love it though. A lot of people love that album and it's such sacrilege just to even mention that you know, something by Dillo or Madlib can be mediocre. I mean, Especially in that time when they're kind of both on Stone's Throw. I feel like the Dilla changed my life shirt crowd, like, is for mm. that's like the Bible for them. And I'm just like, I, I, I just don't feel that way, dude. I just not like the, that's mm-hmm. just not my favorite work from either of them. And 
Anyways, I, I'm always I'm and I'm surprised because I'm I'm a disciple, not in the in the corny T-shirt way that Nate is describing. But I am a, a disciple of, of a lot of Dilla stuff. And I remember kind of being really excited about it at the time. But I'm just saying over the test of time, I just I don't go for it. And I'm yeah. always like, why don't I go for it more? And when yeah. I do, I'm like, oh, well, OK. Yeah, um, this one was just asking our uh, our opinion on the common electric circus album on Twitter, and I was just like, it was misunderstood at the time. It has some joints, but I never want to listen to it. Actually, <laughs> I think what I said was like, I'm, I never throw it on. Like when I'm deciding yeah. what to listen to, I right. never listen to that. Like I understand it from like a critical perspective. I reappraised it. I I appraised it. I reappraised it, and now. I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> so I think that's kind of what you're saying, Damone, is like a, a little, a little you bit. Had your you initial know? feeling, you have your now feeling and you're not like, you're not, there's just a lot of music in the world. Like that's just not one you're yeah. going back to often. But I'm probably wrong. So before you guys come with, uh, <laughs> with, with pitchforks and stuff, this is probably a, a weird uh, quirk of, of myself and the bros here. Um, so Mad Lib has done these amazing collaborations with a variety of different artists. Um, what's what could be next like let's uh speculate prognosticate dream God. wish what would be the dream collab with madlib that we've we've yet to hear fleshed out i'm pretty sure he has a full album with fly anakin that is recorded and i don't know if it's going to come out or not but i would love to hear that well sort of on that tip i mean we've been hearing a lot of rumors regarding his his lost ep with mac miller as yep. well as yep. um that project with logic which i hope doesn't see the light of day but like, I mean, yeah, I mean, in terms of collaborations, I mean, maybe another one with himself, Nate, and and yeah. not Quaz, and not Quaz, though. I would love like a crazy Madlib instrumental album with movements and change ups and fucking weird shit. Not not just a rapless version of an album. Oh, I see. What you're out, you know what okay. I mean? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, interesting. That's... Uh, one thing we didn't talk about, and I, I know Dave in particular jokes about this, but one of his best collaborative albums is with the Percy P album, Perseverance. Oh, I was going to yeah. bring that up. It, totally. it wasn't yeah. billed as, like now if that came out, it would be billed as Madlib <laughs> and Percy P and exactly. Madlib would be the bigger star. P -Lib. But back then it was just like, there was so many... <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of bad ways to take that one. I'm trying to refrain. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, I, it was like the album was fully produced by Madlib. It came out on Stone's Throw, but that wasn't really a huge part of the. Uh, yeah. yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't built that way. Then, right. You know, it wasn't. It's. I'm not saying it wasn't like done that way. I'm saying it wasn't built that way. That's exactly yeah. Right. My yep. point, Dave. And it's funny because like. I happen to be a bigger Percy P fan than like the average person. And I really like that record because it's the most concentrated dose of Percy P you can get. Mm -hmm. Like before mm -hmm. there's just like okay. scattered singles and mixtape cuts sure. and, you know, sure. all, all that stuff. But um, it's not the most successful collaboration, I would imagine. I don't know if Madlib at that time was the right producer to do a full album. Percy and maybe Percy is just not a, a, an album artist yeah I, I think I think it's the confluence of both of those things and yeah, yeah. I, I, but I think a Mad Lib Percy P album could be successful if it was sort of redone right and there yeah and it's funny because like Stonestar used to like have so much budget for stuff like this like it was oh my just God, like I know. there was 
12 inches there was promos i still have like a big stack of stickers Mm -hmm. from that like there was posters there was a remix record there was a bonus disc like it was just so crazy how big they went on these things that like they're for like a niche audience you know what i mean totally totally i don't know it was just it's an interesting like sign of the times that wasn't that long ago but it was also an eternity ago the physicals right, right. the era of physicals yeah. like stone's throw was a monster uh yeah. I, i've said era. this up before but they were just very generous with the promos like we we were a good account oh. for them and like it was just like we just got copies of everything so it was just really it was a good time to be a a hip-hop buyer if you liked stuff like that and i liked some of it and like you guys were kind of talking about some of the kind of other like oxnard mcs it's like i don't know what to do with this promo yeah right 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 i it that makes me sort of think back a loot pack stuff sure like i'm not really into that stuff what 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 do you guys think about no that's so interesting i feel like at the time um they had really captured the backpack zeitgeist for like 18 months for like maybe 18 (laughs) 24 months they they were it. They were like, oh, they have this head nodding producer guy. They're just getting on there. They're all styling out, but like not in the completely untouchable freestyle fellowship mm-hmm, way, mm-hmm. but like barring out like you would hear somebody doing a cypher. And and, you know, you so there was there was a time, I think, with Loot Pack, um, that wave kind of crested. And and I don't know that they necessarily I, I haven't heard too much of the late stuff, but it seemed like they really shined for a moment. And then that sound kind of died down a little bit. I, a similar thing to me happened with the alcoholics. Yeah. I was going right, right. to yeah. say like, it's very yeah. alcoholicsy, and I, mm-hmm. I like stuff like that. Like it's like yeah. the, the whole ethos of that kind of style of rap is like make a dope beat and then rap to it. Yeah. Right, you know I mean? right. It's not like hugely conceptual. It's nope. not like, Nope. Um, the deepest thing you'll ever hear but it's fun nope. and the rapping is good and the beats are obviously really good and I was gonna say when we were talking about all this like heady like later Madlib stuff is like I, I kind of still think of Madlib as the guy from Loot Pack like, yeah. Still, yeah that's how yeah. he was introduced into my consciousness and it's like you know it's like in a way that's like the it's like I say this all the time on the show and in real life it's like I my favorite book by an author is always the first one I read because it's like how you the get first one you them. read right. you yeah. know what I mean and yeah. I'm not saying Sound Pieces is my favorite Mad Lib album or even my favorite Mad Lib collaboration album because that would be crazy but um <laughs> it does have a soft spot yeah absolutely yeah he's he's definitely retained some of that when he does get around to rapping it, it's still Mad Lib from Loot Pack, which I appreciate. Even when you hear Quasimodo stuff, you're like, the cadences and stuff, I, I, I dig it in a, in a very nostalgic way sometimes. Um, but the guest we have on today, Dudley, Dudley Perkins, uh, has a, a newly released project with Mad Lib called In the Beginning, uh, comprised of tracks from the 90s, um, which is really interesting. And he talks a bit about... Um, you know, why that was in the vaults for so long and, and what it's like to uh, have that come out now. Um, and so we were fortunate to catch up with him. He breaks down the whole kind of uh, Oxnard hierarchy of, of rappers and producers, which is really cool. He talks this great story about why he did this kind of sing-songy uh, vocalizing thing on those records. And so um, it was great to, to check in with him. And 
let's get right to it. This is our interview with Declaim, aka Dudley Perkins, Dad Bod Rap Pod. Dad Bod Rap Pod, every week on this program, we have interviews with people who are moving and shaping hip-hop culture. This week is no different. We have joining us in Zoom, a man of multiple names and multiple talents, Dudley Perkins slash Declaim. What's happening, man? Hey, how you doing, man? Good, good. Thanks for coming on the, the program. I want to ask, you know, off top, can you tell us a little bit about... Uh, your upbringing, uh, your hip hop upbringing in Oxnard, and uh, kind of your relationships with with Madlib and the Loot Pack and everybody that we we know and love from down there. Like, were y'all all in high school? Like, how did that how did that whole thing start? Can you give us a little well, background? I mean, it, there's a lot of lot you know a lot of people um, that we work with. A lot of the crew members um, met up different timelines and stuff. You know. Um, me, for instance, I, I met Madlib. I, I lived across the street from him um, years ago when I was a kid. Um, that's how I found out that he did music back then because he was doing the music back then. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, like other crew members, a lot of them went to um, high school together. You know, like Lupac and um, Kazi and uh, Metaphor and stuff like that. They all went to high school together. You know, but during the music phase of the the when everybody was really getting down, I came in kind of like the last cat. Mm. But I was allowed to come in because Madly was like family, and and oh no, you know, and his people were like family to me, you know. So I, they're like my cousins, so I've known them for all my life, you know. Mm, mm, word. Well, yeah, you know, well, you mentioned Madlib and oh no, and um, I was reading that uh, your father was friends with their father, and. You know, yeah. uh, we, we know that Ono and Madlib grew up in a sort of musical household because uh, their father was a musician. Um, you know, that makes me think, what was your musical household like? What was your upbringing? My father, my stepfather was a DJ. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, he used to DJ at a club called King Arthur's in Oxnard on Savage Road, like in the late 70s. Mm. Um, basically, he was like one of the first cats in the neighborhood to have 212 in the mixer. You know, with the whole DJ setup, because um, way back my my stepfather used to have a um, he he transformed the backyard into a club kind of like, you know, with the the canopy. You know, he built a shed out there, and it was a club. You know, the records, and my grandmother um owned a record store. She owned the first record store in Oxnard. Oh wow! Yeah, and actually the first um black barbershop in Oxnard also, and she had the record store. It was on Woolly Road a long time ago. A lot of cats probably don't remember. It was on J Street. It's called Total Experience, and she owned a record store, so she ha- always had records on deck, you know. So when my stepfather came into play, you know, he was able to go record shopping with my grandmother, and so he had a lot of records. You know, we we record shopped in L.A. a lot, but my father was a DJ. You know, I was influenced through him through music, from music. My stepfather. You know? Wow, that's amazing. 
Um, how would you say the Oxnard sound is defined? Like, you, it sounds like you and your crew like are very prolific. And what would you say sets your music apart from other other crews, other areas? But there's many crews in Oxnard. You know, they got crews like Red Zone Fam, Epsilon Projects, um, Funk Farm. You know, and then there was CDP. Those are some of the crews that I, I'm familiar with because I was back back then. I was down with them like that. You know, but um, what set our crew apart was um. It was like a, like a bedroom producers and garage producers like Can Kick, um, which is um, Madlib's beat partner, um, old beat partner, uh, you know, still beat partner family, you know. Um, they would just constantly crank out beats, you know, and, and Madlib was, you know, that's what he did. You know, Can Kick, oh no, that's what they do. They make beats. He, you know, even Kazi and Metaphor made beats back then, you know what I'm saying? Kazi still makes beats right now. You know, so they that's what that's what they do. You know, so we was always known for innovating something new though, like something way, way different. Mm-hmm. I mean what set us apart is we had can kick and mad live. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good position to start from. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, and, and you know, my first producer actually was a cat named Dwayne Holland. Um, DYD. I used to go to high school. I went to school with him all, all my life, and we used to do funk music and stuff, you know. And um, my brother actually was like, "Remember um, Mad Lib?" Or oh, no, he's like, "Remember Otis who lived across the street? Remember him?" I'm like, yeah, yeah. He goes, no, they doing music right now, and they really getting down. My brother was in school with them. I, I graduated a little earlier than them. You know, I'm, I'm older than them. You know, and um, one day he he drove me to Cancake's garage. You know, and he was like, hey, my brother want to rap. Like, hook it up. You know what I'm saying? That's how I met Kanky. I met Kanky through my brother. Okay. Um, Lael, you know what I'm saying? And the rest was history from there, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I had to fight my way in the trenches with them cats. Them cats were no joke. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They were, they were serious. And, you know, because you got cats like Wild Child. Mm-hmm. You, know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Um you got a DJ like DJ Rones and, and, and you got MCs like God's Gift. And um was we, we had um cat named E-Dog, Emmett. Um he rest in peace, you know what I'm saying? He was like mm-hmm. one of the found foundations of our crew. You know, he got shot years back, but he was like he's what put the wiggle on what we was doing, like made mm-hmm. us realize that rest in peace, E Dog, you know what I'm saying? He was the one who um let us know that him and God's gift actually. Okay. He made it in Lupat. They made us step our game up. The rest of us MCs that was rolling with them, you know what I'm saying? You know, because like God's gift was like far beyond his, be far beyond years, be beyond anything I've ever heard back mm-hmm. then. And I said, like, wow, how's this guy? Dude, man, he's amazing. And he was so spiritual and beautifully spiritual. Like one, what was one of his verse? Something I cut something like gin and juice, trying not to get caught up, but keep my fist balled up. I make your head swell up because I know my skills develop. And he didn't believe we could step up and settle it. You know, do have bars and stuff, you know, like God's gift had bars, you know what I'm saying? The whole crew had bars. So we, you know, um, we had dancers, you know, like um, dancer MCs and singers like Nico Anderson and stuff like that. You know, these are names in Oxnard that are like, you know, underground legends, I guess, because we, put it down you know yeah 
we ain't the only ones. There's other crews out there that did it. You know what I'm saying? But I know we 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 set a foundation when we started going overseas and doing shit. You know what I'm saying? Definitely, definitely. Um, wanted to to ask you a little bit about um your kind of debut to the world was on a on an alcoholics um mm. a single uh and i wanted kind of wondered how that came about and did you notice things change for you um after after being featured on the record um well the first record i was actually on was um a a, a mixtape with dj babu okay Oh, it was wow. called Beyond, Beyond Comprehension, and the mm. B side was uh, mixed by Kanke. And that's mm. actually the first time anybody ever heard me on anything. Okay. okay. You know, and um, after that, uh, Madlib's father put out a CDP called Psych Move EP, and we all did a posse cut on there with New Pack. You know, then mm. you know that was a long time ago. Then when the the Alcoholics, you know, was rolling with Madlib like that, you know. Tash was really rolling with our crew and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? Big up to the liquid crew, you know, they, yeah. they, they was like um, mentors and stuff, you know? At least showed us the doorway a little bit, you know, so, but when I got on that album, um, I had a bunch of albums with Madlib already done. Okay. You know, um, and, you know, I was trying to shop with, like everybody else was, and it got it in the hands of Licks, and they was like, we want that track. The W Licks track, and I have a whole. In fact, on Volume Two of um, in the beginning, you'll hear the original. Oh, so the, it oh. was it was your joint that they they heard it, they repurposed it, and be like, all right, you on yeah, it, but this is our track. Long, it was like a seven minute long joint, like three <laughs> four long bars. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, my, I was on my Rakim shit back then. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Um, and, and yeah. was it noticeable after that came out? Is that when you you felt like a, a lot of people started understanding who you were? Opportunities open up. Well, I mean, I wasn't really. <clears throat> I did a few shows with them, like in Santa Barbara and stuff like that, you know. But I was really more focused on what we was doing mm-hmm. as a crew, you know, CDP, Crate Diggers Palace, and Punk Farm. And I've always been <clears throat> trying to put my crew out there, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like they need to, these guys is funky people, you know what I'm saying? So I was, you know, that was, you know, I'm like a general of the crew a little bit. Like I was always kind of directing things and stuff like that, you know? Okay. But um, when I did the, that, that album on, on, with the licks, you know, um, it kind of like put me in the game as like, okay, you can't, it's just not an underground cat. He's, you know, he's on a major record and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't slack on there either. I, I had probably yeah. the longest first on the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, man. Yeah, you know, um, I'd like to jump around just a little bit and talk about your endeavor with uh, your record label, um, some other shit. With, oh, yeah. Uh, it's you and Georgia and your partner. Um, tell us a little bit about that and sort of what being a label head allows you to do artistically versus maybe just, you know, being a rapper on a label. Well, look, um, well, I started the label with um, Georgia Ann. Right now, we're we're not together right now, so we've been mm. separated for a minute, you know. So, um, mm. she has a, a label, um, Epistrophic Peach Sound. It's it's her original okay. label that she was working with when we, before we got together. So she's you know branding that and making things happen with that. Mm. So right now, some other ship. I actually um, I'm working with a few other new artists that's coming out. I got some beautiful artists right now that I'm working with. Um, 
One of them, the name is Hyro. Okay. Um, he has an album coming out, an EP coming out called Soil. Because um, I've done a, I did a joint venture with Fat Beats, and um, I also did a joint venture with a, a distribution called Believe. Right now, so I'm, I'm dealing. And, you know, I still got my deal with Entertainment One. I got a record out with Entertainment One still, mm-hmm. but you know, I've been just you know trying to find a niche with the um, how the labels run and how to really make one function. So mm-hmm. right now, I'm really more of a, a, a production company. Okay. So some other shit productions, some other shit records. So I, I'm actually just building artists up right now. Um, I have this one artist I'm working with named West Coast Stone. You know, um, amazing cat. He's, he's a funk man. You know what I'm saying? I got this mm-hmm. other cat. You probably heard of him. His name's Cornbread. He used to be in a group called Cali Wild mm-hmm. from Oxnard. And that's affiliate of CDP and Funk Farm also. His name's Cornbread. His album's called A Breath of Fresh Air. Um, it's featuring production by Knotts. Um, it has uh, Brand Nubian on it. Oh, you know, Chug, okay. the, um, Big Shug from Group Home. You know, okay. many other artists on it. It's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty big, dope album. You know what I'm saying? Like, in fact, I got some funky stuff. Like this dude named Joshua Collins. He's actually my cousin. He's a producer and a pianist. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've just been, I'm cultivating artists right now. And because, you know, the last few art albums that I did release, they kind of like was uh, they was sort of successful okay. i would say um um like you know we dropped a, a record um a couple years back got a grammy nomination when i um i worked with a, a company called brain feeder i'm pretty sure you mm-hmm. know that is flying mm-hmm. loaded so I, I partnered up with brain feeder with an album and it got a grammy nomination you know and then so after that i, I released a jazz album um, titled Joy T. And that's yeah, still kind yeah, of yeah. humming. That's still humming a little bit right now. Okay. So right now I'm like trying to see, okay, if this executive power got any power. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being very careful with what I'm doing and how I'm moving. Right. And who I'm dealing with. And you know, I actually um, you know, because I, I, I do a lot of work with a uh, metaphor. Mm-hmm. He has a label called Bang Your Head Records, um, which is doing a lot of good music right now. Um, um you got to peep a lot of stuff that he puts out is his classic music that he puts out, you know? So me and him are actually, me, him and Elemental are actually doing a new album. We're working on a new album right now produced by Mad Lib. Um, wow. It's almost done too. It's, it's okay. sick. Wow. Yeah. Between, the old school, the old, what's up, brother? Uh, between MED and Elemental, you guys almost have all the letters. Yeah. It's <laughs> the album called LMD. Nice. Um, I, I was wondering, and I apologize if you've had to answer this question so many times before, but this is the if this is the only time I ever get to talk to you, I just always have been curious about this. Was singing and doing your funk stuff something you always wanted to do when you were coming up and then at some point you felt comfortable releasing it? Or was it like a transition in your taste where you were like, okay, I'm going to not rap as much, but you always still rap. I'm going to show people my singing side more I've always done it with my rap actually mm-hmm. you know but just not intense like that you know and then um, um one day uh peanut butter wolf came out to Santa Barbara to Madlib's house and we all stayed the night there we partied all night and at the end of the night we was like all right let's go home Madlib went straight to making beats mm-hmm. so I'm up too like oh this is an opportunity to get, on, get in some extra shit without the crew around I'm at Madlib's house in Santa Barbara 
Make some music right there, you know. So I didn't have nothing written. So um, I sung flowers. Mm. Like for like seven, eight minutes. I just sung it like 10 minutes, probably 14 minutes probably. Sung all these riffs and all this fun stuff. It, you, what you heard was cut down, condensed. Um, okay. That. Um, but after a year or two, you know, I went back to Vegas and I was going through some stuff and, you know, um, Egon hit me up and was like, remember that flower song? You know, we love that song. We want to release that. I'm like, oh, for real? That's crazy. You know, at first they was going to like, let's get a band together. I can't remember the band name. It might have been the Fortet or something. I can't remember mm. what the band name was, but they was going to have me work with them or something. I said, no, I'll do it with Madlib, though. Because mm. they, said, they said, we want you to do a whole singing album. Because that uh, wasn't really my idea. Okay. That okay. was like Egon's idea and shit. You know? And just, just to be around my homie, because he's, he's he's such a bright spirit, I was like, I'll do it. I ain't seen Madlib in a couple of years. You know, I missed the dude. Because, you know, we all went our separate ways, traveling the world and doing all kind of other stuff. You know what I'm saying? And we didn't really get to catch up much. And I got to catch up with him on those two albums, which mm-hmm. was, so I, you know, I'm like, the first one, you know, the, the first thing in the album, I really freestyled the whole thing. Wow. <laughs> you know, I probably did it in like two days. Okay. And that's when I realized after I heard, I was like, damn, I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Felt, it was ahead of its time, it, though. But they felt it. The label was like, Let's roll. I'm like, are y'all serious? <laughs> I'm like, shit, let's go there. Shit. I guess, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I would have chosen to do a whole different, I would have wrapped a whole new Really? You know, okay. I, I did the And So the Said with Madeline and um, Can't Kick. And that, to me, is like one of my better albums. And So It Is Said, you yeah. know? But then when Little Light, I did a little light and singing and all that. It, it kind of hit me that, dang, I'm probably one of the first MCs to actually do this. Mm-hmm. I'm a full MC. Yeah. You know what I'm but now I have a full record with no rap on it. At all. That's wild. You know what I'm saying? I know a lot of rappers are saying, there's Marquis, uh, uh, yeah. um, what's his name? Um, Slick Rick, excuse me, Slick Rick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Most Death and all them, they all sing. They all they all do that little thing. They, they, they get the groove. It's, it's something that you can't help it when Sometimes you just gotta sing, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I think I was one of the first who actually sung a whole album like that, and meant it. And I was going off of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Is that right? <laughs> That's dope. I was trying to do Earth, Wind, and Fire. Like, let me get spiritual on them. Because you know <laughs> I already read a lot of books, theologies, philosophies, and everything. You know, I was already trying to figure things out already. I was going through things in life, so I'm like, let me sing some real things that are really, really close to me. You know, um, and but when the way Wolf and them um, tripped off it, I'm like, oh shit, y'all really like this, you know? You know, the money song and the, uh, the mama and all that. They really, they try to dress me up and put me in hats and have my hair out and shit like that and photos and leather jackets and shit. I'm okay. like, okay, it's just gonna make me some money, I, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I really don't fuck with, I don't really go that way, you know what I'm saying? I don't really trip. I ain't, I ain't fancy like that. I ain't no, you know, I just ain't no, Thing. like I'm, I'm i'm from the streets i'm from Savenos. <laughs> you know yeah so the homies see me dressed like that they might be like hey homie, what's wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> and then it, then you know i guess it made a little money so they offered a second record called expressions and that's when i actually tried to sing 
Mm-hmm. And I mixed the rapping and poetry at the same time. I did everything okay. on that record. I didn't just limit it. So when I did a record called Holy Smokes, I was more versed in what I was doing on that album to where I had every style of anything on Holy Smokes. If you check it out, there's like 30 songs of all different styles. Mm. Singing, poetry, spoken word, rap, singing, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Beautiful album. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing that, that background. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the release that's coming up in the beginning volume one. This is, uh, some older material that the world has never heard and is coming out. Uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be already out. So yeah. Tell us about that project. What can folks expect and, uh, when, when it will be out? I mean, I, I'm still actually getting used to it myself again. You know, because at first I'm like, can I be putting this out, man? This is crazy. This is some old ass shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, you know, when I had the, the the original files and stuff back then, I was trying to put it out on wax myself, anyways. Okay. You know, I was trying to do my own label back then, and and it meant a lot to me too. And and plus, I wanted my children to see what I was doing when I was young. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my children rap too. You know, um, um, I got two artists. That in my family that my daughter and my son rap um riley fresh and um miss desi and miss desi has been on records with saul williams and latoya williams aloe black you know she's been on records with cats like that that's my daughter you know um and my son's working on a project you know um and he's, he actually got he got a voice he got you know, like guru said it's the voice that gets you up it's the voice <laughs> yeah. that gets you up. he got one of them voices you know what i'm saying so I'm working on him. You know, I'm about to pass the torch to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, here, you this song. You know? Okay. But, you know. That's dope, man. That's dope. Thank you. Uh, you know, sort of as we bring it to a close, um, we've brought up Mad Lib so much. I mean, it seems like he's such a prominent part of... The dude's um, dope, man. Your like, artistry. <laughs> oh, we know. Like, real, we know. Like, real, real shit. The dude's dope. That's so good. That's like, so I'm accurate. Happy, I'm so happy what's going on for him right now because it should have happened a long time ago. Right. But he used right. to always say we're always we're five years ahead of our time. Yeah. We'll can catch he, up. We'll catch up. He's getting he, what he deserves right now. And he deserves way more. Because he done freaked people out with some of the funkiest beats that the world <laughs> has ever seen. I don't care who you want to put him up against or whatever. My number, my top producer is him. That's crazy, man. Well, that's mm-hmm. my number one producer. And my as real, you know, if you got the top five, yeah. I could name I could name my top two. You know, my mm-hmm. ex is my ex, um, my baby's mother is is Georgia Ann Muldrow is like my two, because I've seen her do some amazing shit. That's mm-hmm. dope, man. That's you know, just... the homies don't get mad at me like she don't love you, you know, she don't, you know, but real talk, music, <laughs> yeah. music. She's an amazing um creative. Madlib is amazing creative. Like Madlib is always tripped us out. Always, like always has something good for us. That's you know, good. one day, yeah. you know, one day he has a record called Walkman Flavor. That might get unearthed one day. Oh wow! Okay. He, he busted flows. The dude had bars because you know, even me and Metaphor always say, you know, out of back then, you know, it was either between him or uh, Wild Child with the bars. Okay. With them creative bars, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you know, Wild Child yeah. is always Wild Child is Wild Child. He's, 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 yeah. he's MC. He's a true MC. You know what I'm saying? Like the epitome of true MC is Wild Child. 
But, but Madlib had them bars too, mm. you know? If y'all would have heard the new Lupac album that they was working on, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, Madlib probably got a trillion songs that you'll never hear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Ono oh, oh, probably got a trillion songs that you will never hear. Okay. Can Cake probably got a trillion things you will never hear. Amazing things. True, even Metaphor got beats up in there. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, I'd be trying to, wish them old tapes that mad that we were working on? <laughs> <laughs> that's, what's, that's what's up, man. I, I appreciate you kind of uh, sharing a little bit behind the scenes about, about the crew, about your experience. We want to let everybody know that in the beginning, volume one uh, is going to be out by the time you hear this. And uh, Declaim, we just want to thank you for coming on, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Let, let people know about that record. It, it's going to be fun for them. Something for the summer. Okay, yeah. and to prepare for volume two and three. Oh, oh, okay. You got that Harry Potter game. You got the trilogy (laughs) lined up. Okay. That's what's up. That's what's up, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, man. One love. All right. That was our interview with Dudley Perkins, a.k.a. Declaimed. want to thank him for coming on. What will always stick with me from that interview, because I I wrote it on a post-it when he said it, and I just had it on my whiteboard for like weeks, was the dude is dope. Like he just took (laughs) he just took time out of the interview to be like, let's just stop and recognize the greatness of Mad Lib, uh, which is super cool. I appreciated that and kind of hearing the backstory of how they all came up together. Hip hop is so much about proximity. I find the more we oh, talk to people, right. it's like, dude was across the street. Right. Like, right. Right. Like, well, why did I grow up across the street from Ad Lib? Why didn't I go to high school with the Jizza? Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, totally. I, I, you know, I, what I love about this project is that it's like so homegrown, completely homespun. I mean, mm-hmm. and I, and I love projects that emerge from neighborhoods, like what you were saying. And, and this specifically, I guess we're, um, b-sides and mixtape cuts from 94 to 95 so it could not be any more you know og material so yeah man mm. it was really really great to talk to dudley um, really insightful about his own art and stuff so and really open about that so i always enjoy talking to artists who are you know down to pull back the curtain a little bit absolutely which he he definitely did and we appreciate him coming on the program in the beginning volume one is out now so you should go check that out and support dope music uh, and also support dope podcasts like you've been doing here with the Dad Bod Rap Pod. We are on Twitter at Dad Bod Rap Pod. We are also on Instagram at Dad Bod Rap Pod. Uh, summer's almost over, guys. We said we we're going back to Instagram to do a live. They have a three head monster option now. Um, the King Ghidorah. Let's yeah. We have one. <laughs> so um, how about this? If we get 10 people that hit us up on social media saying come back to uh, Instagram live we will do it and the nine other people besides Paddington um, <laughs> chime in we will do it and not a second before then um, we're also on Facebook um, just look for dad bod rap pod I, I started updating the Facebook a little bit and you know every Thursday we come at you with new 
episodes, dope interviews. We got some wild announcements that I can't announce, but I'm announcing the announcement that we can't announce yet. That's how wild it is. I say this all the time, but honestly, the worst part of all the cool shit we're doing is not being able to talk about it. It like kills me. I know. Bursting. It's still, just it's bursting the worst, inside. but it's also kind of the best. No, know? it is cool. No, it's, 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 good. it's good to have our little secrets and to know that there's like a future, like just not to get all deep, but like in the last 15, I guess we have to start calling it 16 months. It's just been like your notion of like, the, remember that time when we first went inside for quarantine and it was like, so I have no plans. Yeah. Like from now till yep. forever, because yep. I don't know if I'm leaving this apartment again, I have no yep. plans. Yep. Like for the first time in my life, I wasn't like planning a trip or like, right. You know, like, Oh, it, of course I'll do the summer ritual yeah. vacation mm-hmm. things I've done my whole life with my family or whatever. It's just like, Nope, we got no plans. So we kind of have plans again and it's a good feeling, but there, it, and it is better if you don't talk about it and you just like spring it on people. And I get that, but like, I'm almost like I need some like non-rap friends in my life that I can talk to about this stuff. And it's well, like, they'll never know, they'll never care, but I just need to say it to some to someone. Sc- scream it, scream into the void, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we're 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 excited, uh, and when we can bring you guys the news, we definitely will. Um, but now more than ever, it's a time to support and show your support before uh we get too big and then we forget who you are because you you only came around uh after cool things happen i'm i'm very bitter that way i have like a, a mental invisible list of like oh. people who will come oh, around uh once some shit pops off and like what i'll tell them which i totally won't because this is <laughs> i'll, I'll like, share oh, you thanks I'll, man i'll share you guys my list so <laughs> <Exactly>. no <laughs> we'll exchange list of people who uh PDF who a pdf we'll get a, a google docs going of people on our future shit list um but no 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 for real though we're we're excited that people keep fucking with the program we're growing steadily new opportunities abound um still broke somehow though so i just i want to i want to dispel that don't let anything i'm telling you make you think that right, we're right. we're out here uh balling but you know all, all a matter of time. We appreciate your patronage and your listening ear. We'll be back next Thursday with another dope program. It's the Dad Bod Rap Pod.